right? So tonight we're going to hit up Solas Christas. I think I said that right. That sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty smart. Pretty All right. So tonight we're going to be talking about about Jesus, right? And this is my favorite thing to talk about. Um, Jesus is why I'm here. Um, for a long time I didn't understand God, but I thought Jesus was amazing. I didn't like the church, but I thought Jesus was amazing. Um, so I'm super excited to be able to talk about this. Um, but I want to get into something really quick. A few years ago, I was having a conversation with a brother, and you have those um, those sins that you feel like you keep confessing. You just like keep, like you hit up the guys, and it's just like the same thing over and over again. It's like super discouraging. And I hit up one of the brothers, and I said, hey, I'm wrestling with this again and again and again. And I don't know, it was like maybe every other day, every day, and it was really consistent. And he asked me, he said, have you been reading about Jesus lately? Hmm. And I said, no. And he's like, because you, you sound like a Pharisee right now. Like, you sound like you're trying to work for your relationship with God right now. You've taken this thing that was so amazing to you, your relationship with Jesus, but you've turned it into something that you're now trying to work for, and it's not based on performance. And I think we can all do that, right? We can all start from this place where we understand who Jesus is. Like, we live these lives, and all of a sudden, Jesus disrupts our lives, and we're like, this is amazing. Who he is is incredible. The fact that he would come to earth, and that he would die, and that he would um, take us along with him, that he wouldn't resent us for all of our sins, but he actually, like, care about us, right? And we have that moment, but it can, be so, it can become so easy after a while to make it about our works and our behavior, right? right. And this is something that, like, I've been wrestling with um, on and off. And that's why tonight, this sola is so cool because with this, the solas Christas, it's the basic belief that salvation is attained through the atoning work of Christ alone. The atoning work of Christ alone. So that means that Christ actually had to do work. So when it comes to our relationship with God, it was Jesus' work. So that's where our salvation comes from. Apart from individual works, and that Christ is the only mediator between God and man. There's so many times, right, like I'm wrestling with something or I'm giving into something, and I feel like I have no right to be in the presence of God. You guys ever felt like that? But here's Jesus, this mediator, who's constantly willing to stand in the gap and make sure that I have access to God because Jesus has covered me with his blood. Right. And says, it holds that salvation cannot be obtained without Christ. Now, we've been talking a lot about Martin Luther. And I'm not super into history, but reading about Martin Luther and hearing a lot about him, it's been pretty cool. Have you guys been excited about it? Yeah. And like excited about some of the things that we've been able to experience because of him. Right. right. A lot of the freedoms that we get to have right now, the religious freedoms, are because he took a stand for something that he believed in. And I think that like what the enemy will do to men, like men, we were made to stand. Yeah. Like we weren't made to we weren't made to cower. We were made to stand. Yeah. And so it can be hard to do that though, because the enemy can be so oppressive with the doubts and you're a failure and all this. And so when we hear about guys like Martin Luther, and in spite of his sinfulness, it's just like. I'm going to do something radical, and I'm going to take on the entire Catholic Church and post this thing to the door. And so the thing that I, as I was studying out, the thing that I guess set it off is that Pope Leo, this guy, he had decided that in order to build uh, St. Peter's Basilica, like this big building, this big structure, because they had started building it 10 years prior, Pope Leo had decided that in order to raise money, they needed to do something drastic, right? 
They needed to get money somehow. And so they started selling indulgences. Do you guys know what indulgences are? Yes. So indulgences, they're this, it's like, it's like this piece of paper that if you pay for this, then your sins are forgiven. So if, if David is the one selling the indulgences, right? And I've given the certain sins, I can go to David and I can give him a hundred bucks and out of that, he absolves my sins. But the thing is, is that the, the church at the time was like preying on the uneducated, the ill, and the poor, the lower class. So people that didn't have money anyways. So they were exploiting the poor, right? And this is crazy. Yeah. So here this message of Jesus, who Jesus was around the poor, the sick, the healthy, the helpless, and the lonely. But at some point it switched. Now it became to taking advantage mm. of these people. And, and that's exactly what happens when we take our eyes off of Jesus. Right. So as I was reading these things, it's so easy for me to want to get mad and judge the guys that do this stuff. Like, how could you do that? Like, what if the Turning Point staff started to say, hey, for TP Amplified, in order to raise money, you can start paying us and we'll absolve your sins. Like, think about that. Like, in order to raise money to build our building, we made people pay us to forgive you for your sins so that we could build it. Like, that is insane. That has no Jesus in it whatsoever. Right? But that, that, that's what happens. That's what happens when we take our eyes off Jesus. And so as we look at these things tonight, like, let's be mindful of, yeah, like some of these people are, they're like awful, but without Jesus, we're all prone to corruption. That's just how we are. Um, the church had become about just like the burden of sin. You guys ever felt like your relationship with God was not about enjoying God, but it was about abstaining from things? And that, that, there's no Jesus in that either. Right. Because Jesus is the one that brought us salvation. And so at the church, they had placed the burden of sin on people, which demanded absolute obedience, required righteousness, required righteousness, which righteousness is something that can be given by God. We think about righteousness, we think about like good acts. Righteousness actually means being in a right relationship with God. So that, that's a gift from God. So they're asking people to do things that they actually can't even do. It was about damnation and sending people to hell. You ever have those people, like those Sunday school teachers, it's like, you better stop that or you're going to go to hell? Like, I mean, I did. I don't know. Hopefully you guys didn't. But you had this, this idea that you scare people into following God. That's what it became about. Uh, it became about, like, Jesus was just coming back to judge. We're going to look at a scripture in a second. That, that, like, you look at Jesus' heart. Jesus is all about pulling people into God's love. That's really what he's about. They'd added these indulgences, the relics, the traditions, this concept of purgatory and trying to like constantly scare people. So as, as Luther was experiencing this stuff and was beginning to be disturbed by the Spirit, he realized and discovered some things and he wanted to make known that salvation is a gift through faith because of what Jesus has done. You think about that. There's nothing that we can do to earn God's love, but it's what Jesus has done for us. Right. Yep. Like, I totally get that twisted. Like, I'm a very performance-oriented person. You know, and it's like, it just gets twisted. When I make my life about performance, even in my relationship with God, like, I'm miserable. Right. But it's, it's not about that. Righteousness is a gift from God through Jesus. Jesus willingly gave up his life. You ever think about that? Like, we really connect with the cross for a second. Think about all the things that he had to go through. But he willingly laid his life down. A few weeks ago, Aaron got in a car accident. And this dude hit her from the side. The car rolled. 
one full roll, one up on one car, literally on top of another car, like Indiana Jones ride, like extreme version, right? Went up one car and came down. Wow. And like, I was not cool when I showed up. Like I flew off the handle on the guy. Like Aaron had to like grab me by the face and pull me back hmm. because I, I lost it. I was like wanting to hurt this person. But it was just this guy that like, for all I know, it might even not have been his fault. Right? But I'm so quick to react because I can be so judgmental. But here's Jesus knowing that people are going to completely disrespect him. And he's like, I still want to do this because I just want to give you a chance. Mm -hmm. like, so, like Jesus' sacrifice didn't actually guarantee salvation, but it gives us the chance to know God. Right. Yeah. So we think about all the different things that we're doing here in Turning Point, right? Like Family Rescue Center and all these things. These are good works that we do out of gratitude for what God has given to us. And these things are awesome. Like, God isn't asking us and requiring us to do good works in order to be in a relationship with Him. God is asking us to do good works because it shines the light into the world so that people can see God. So that's why we take a lot of these things so seriously. At the heart, at the heart of everything that we're doing, right? At the heart of everything that we're doing, at the heart of the Reformation, is Jesus. The heart of everything. We think about um, grace, the Word, faith, all these things that we have access to because of who Jesus is. I want to look at the passage really quick. Um, this is, Jesus is preparing his guys because he's about to go to the cross. One of the things I love about Jesus is Jesus always prepared people for what they were about to go through. Jesus didn't just abandon people, right? So he's having a conversation with his guys, and this is what he says. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Like, take a second and like really breathe that in. That Jesus is actually, he, he went somewhere to prepare a place for you. Like, do you believe that? Like, it's a very simple thing to think about, but do you actually believe that? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. You know the way. One of the guys says, No, we don't know, Lord. We don't. Thomas said, We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? And we can look at Thomas and we can give him a hard time because he's just like doubting Thomas and he's pushing back against Jesus. But I mean, at least the dude was honest, right? Yeah. At least the dude had the courage to be like, uh, we don't know what city you're actually going to. Right. So if you could give us a heads up, that'd be cool because we'll meet you there. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. Right. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You think about that. Jesus can say these things because he's actually lived these things. Jesus, Jesus is the way to God because of what he did for us. Jesus is the truth because Jesus is, like, he, he is the word of God. He is absolute truth. In him there's absolutely nothing false. It says that he is the life. Like any guy that can go to hell for all of us and fight his way out and come back to life, like, dude, that, that's the guy that holds the power to life. Mm. And that's Jesus. You think about the things that we were, like, so stuck in. Whether it's, like, crazy addiction or whether it's, like, depression and anxiety and all these things that the enemy tries to distract us with. The fact that Jesus actually fought his way into those things to pull us out. Everything Jesus did was a rescue mission. Yeah. 
Jesus has the authority to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. And Jesus is saying, because you know me, you know God. And we can get kind of weird with this passage. Like, we can use this passage in order to argue with people from different faiths. And we can turn this passage into something about intolerance. And I don't know if that was Jesus' heart. Mm-hmm. That didn't seem to be his heart. Right. Like the people that were most unlike Jesus seemed to like him the most. Always around him. It's, 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 it's less about intolerance and it's more about God expressing who he is through Jesus. Jesus is the expression of God to humanity. Think about that. Like Jesus is God. God expressed himself. He took time to design Jesus in order to express himself to us. And that's a crazy thing. Like why would God do that? Like that, that there is so much power in God doing that. When we think about what everything comes down to, like with all the different mm-hmm. things that we can get distracted with, for me, right? Like I'm telling you guys, like I can so make my relationship with God about how many quiet times I had that week. Mm. Like I can just kind of check out, you know what I mean? Or I can do it because I feel like I need to do it. Or I can confess things because I want it to just like make me feel better, right? Like I can totally turn it into that, not remembering that Jesus like left heaven, like crossed the galaxies so that God could express himself through Jesus to humanity. Now I, I, I promise you, I, I promise us that when we focus on Jesus, we get it. Yeah. Like if you get Jesus, you get it all. Like it really is that simple. Imagine if, if our faith, we were able to surrender yeah. our lives completely to the person of Jesus and to know that no matter what we went through, that Jesus was there and Jesus is there. Right. And that the power that God gave him, Jesus gave us to the Holy Spirit. So when we think about these things, let's remember that it really is that simple. Like it really, really is about Jesus. The, la- the last thing I want to say is that none of us have actually seen Jesus face to face. And if you have, that's super cool. Like if you really have, like please tell me about it. Like I, I-, I want to be all about that. But this is, this, is, this is a man, this is a God that we believe in. But why the, why the church is so important is because the, the church is the representation of Jesus on earth. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the Catholic Church, they'd made it about the church mm. and not about Jesus. That's right. So when we make our lives about the, the church, because church can become an idol, right? Mm-hmm. We make it about that. Like it can become super toxic. But if everybody's focused simply on Jesus and bringing that to the church, I mean, imagine what that would be like. Yeah. Like, that'd be yeah. amazing. Yeah. So with that, here's David. Ah, amen. Thank you so much. I also want to say real quickly, I was so grateful for uh, what Kat shared tonight. Uh, I just think for all of us, we need to really listen to that because that, reading that letter was not for her. I think reading that letter was for us because to me that was just a, a, a really painful but important reminder that just because just I'm faithful today, right, it doesn't mean that you know I don't have the ability 
on any given day to turn my eyes away from Jesus and start going into fear and picking up that pattern of, of that routine of just constantly going into worry or fear or insecurity. I mean, we all have our, our, our exit you know, strategies, I think, that are only corrected by this focus on Jesus. So I'm really, really grateful for that. Uh, I want to share uh, just a little bit of history. Um, uh, there was a Greek philosopher in the second century who, um, now at that time, there was not this super organized church collecting funds and building churches. In the second century, it was a scattered band of people being persecuted, many being killed. I mean, it was just this really kind of this dangerous, it was a threatening time to be a Christian. However, this non-Christian Greek philosopher made this very interesting observation. He noticed that there was a, a kind of a period of peace in Rome and the Roman Empire. And even though Rome was feeling very confident and proud, he made this observation because of his awareness of this Christian movement that was showing up in all these different scattered places in the second century. Listen to what he said. He said, while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which man yearns more than even for, more than ever for outward peace. But you guys see the, the essence there? He's saying that, yeah, these emperors can do all these grand things to change the external circumstances, but even an emperor is powerless to change what's within a man. And many subscribe that this guy was aware of this movement that was following a man who could do that, who could do what an emperor can't do, which is to change and put peace inside of a human being. So look at what Jesus says. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Again, this is something that only Jesus can promise. Something internal, something within that you can learn and, 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 and always be on this process of, of developing and becoming more the person that God wants you to be. I want to look at just one interaction that Jesus did in Matthew 5. Uh, this is shortly after the healing of the um, crippled person at the pool, at the well, remember? And, uh, of course, what day did Jesus do it? The Sabbath, right? Because he always wanted to cause trouble. No, just kidding. Uh, no, that wasn't the reason. But, you know, they're, they're persecuting him for... It's really strange. Like, he heals someone, does this miracle, and it's almost like the miracle cannot even be seen. It's like, oh, that's nothing. Let's get to the rules. Let, let's get to the traditions. Let's get to what we believe is right. It's like, that's, again, why I think what Seth said was so relevant, that if it's not about Jesus, we're going to get distracted by some very bizarre things, and then we are not going to see miracles. We won't recognize them, because we're stuck in our traditions or our rules, and he didn't want that for us. But look what he says. In his defense, this is so cool that Jesus is defensive. That's crazy, but whatever. He says, my father is always at his work to this very day and I too am working 
God is not silent. God is not passive. God is always active. God is always working. Then he says, for this reason they tried, I'm sorry, then the, the, the Pharisees responded, for this reason they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, which is the big no-no, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So question, would we be qualified to be persecuted for the same reasons today? Are we guilty of doing the same things that Jesus is accused of doing here? Does anyone here in this room call God their Father? Congratulations. Then you qualify to get persecuted in the first century and people can be ready to kill you. Uh, do we make ourselves equal with God in the same way that Jesus did? Not really, but we, but we talk to Him as though we are in relationship with Him, right? He's not this distant you know, disconnected thing, yeah. we are in relationship with Him. And that was also what was so scandalous right. about what Jesus was doing. Because listen, our God, the way we got it set up with Him, we don't even look at miracles. We don't even look at healing. We just completely dismiss that. We know these rules that God wants. I mean, they couldn't see the relational that Jesus wanted us to have. Yeah. Then look at this. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He can do only what He sees His Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Now, again, as Jesus was so utterly and completely dependent on God, in how many ways? Everything. That is the mindset that God wants us to have toward Him and toward His Son and toward the Holy Spirit. Now think about that. Is there absolutely nothing you can do without God? Is absolutely everything you do in your life connected to your walk, your relationship with God, with Jesus, and with the Holy Spirit? To me, that's an all-encompassing mindset that is really hard to sustain. But it's possible. And that's why we take on that yoke. That's why we fix our eyes on this guy that invited us because we're weary and burdened. Keep learning from me. Keep learning from me. Because guess what? You can learn. Jesus wasn't tricking us. He said we can learn these things. Okay. And now this is a final thing here. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all He does. So I want to give us a, a, a tool tonight that I think will allow us to do and walk in very similar ways that Christ did. Christ walked around apparently and He saw God's work all the time. That was His cue. That was His, his inspiration. What I see God doing, oh, that's what I do. Okay? I want us to get that same vision. The way I would translate that for us is this. I can only do what I see my Father doing. What do we see our Father doing? Charles? Being merciful. Being merciful. Any others? What do we see God doing daily? Forgiving. Forgiving. Huh? 
unconditionally. Loving unconditionally. Giving people hope. Giving people hope. Offering them hope. <coughs> What's that? Uh, giving, uh, giving and showing grace. Giving and showing grace. One more. Providing clarity of what is right and what is uh, simple. Providing clarity. Mm. So think about, those are all God's qualities, right? And yet, those are all things that we are also capable of presenting to this world, right? We can represent God by doing those things. So uh, I want to show you guys something. Um, we had a uh, pure recovery group a couple of weeks ago, and I want to introduce an exercise that we did there. This is a, an index card. Okay. So I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, I want you to write, now take the blank side of the index card, not with the lines, the blank side. On that piece of paper, I'm going to count to three, and on three, I want you to write your name as fast as you can once I say three, okay? But you got to wait till I say three. You guys ready? Is it one, two, three, go? Or do you want to I'm just going to say one, two, three, on three, you guys write your name as fast as you can. You ready? Full front and back name? No, just, just yeah, first, and first and last. Yeah, first and last. You guys are making this so hard. Okay, sorry. Are right, you ready? One. Two, okay, wait, 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 sorry. Uh, now switch and use your non-dominant hand. I'm so sorry, I forgot to add that detail. So switch hands, same thing. On three, you're gonna write your name as fast as you can in your non-dominant hand. You guys ready? One, two, three. Brian, are you like texting your name with your non-dominant thumb, or what are you doing? Okay, That's, that was original, bro. I'll give you that. Okay, so uh, was that awkward? Yes. Now, at the, now, when I first gave you those instructions, you're like, this is so easy and simple, it's ridiculous, right? But then I changed one little rule, and suddenly it's something awkward. It, it, now, by the way, do you think with practice you could begin to start writing your name faster with your non-dominant hand. Yeah. Yeah. You could, right? Okay. The only reason I did that right now is because the exercise I want to teach you guys tonight is going to be awkward at first. But then as you practice, you begin to grow. And you'll get better and better at it. Uh, have you guys heard of this verse? It's one little piece of Philippians 4.8. And... Um, uh, the reason I, I'm talking about this tonight is because I had this conversation with guys in PR recently about how Satan has totally hijacked the word purity. Because when you're among men and you say, how's your purity? What are you actually talking about? You're talking about, what did you look at? You know, did you, did you masturbate? I mean, you, you automatically go to these impure things when someone's asking, how's your purity? So I just said, yeah, this is ridiculous. We need to get this word back. Okay? And what I mean by that is that, you know, again, going back to what Jesus said. He said, I see what my Father does. I see my Father's work. To me, Jesus had pure vision. Jesus looked at women in pure ways. He, in verse that we looked at chapter five, but in chapter six he goes on. He talks about the whole teaching about do not worry. What does he tell you to do? He tells you to 
look at the birds in the air, right? In their nests and all that kind of stuff. He tells you to look at the grass, watch the lilies, how they grow. So Jesus looked at a lot of things because I think Jesus had pure eyes. So what we did, the brothers and I, we took these index cards and we started writing down all the things that we can imagine in a daily basis of things that we can notice or start paying attention to that we associate with purity or things that are pure. And so we made this commitment till the end of the year. We're going to carry our index cards in our wallets and so we're going to look at them every day so that we keep refreshing our mind with what is our focus? What are we moving toward? Right? Because I want to look at the world the way Jesus did. I want to see things that Jesus saw. Right? Rather than just every day saying, okay, I didn't look at pornography. Oh, today I didn't look at women in a lustful way. Okay, well, good job on on your impurity since you didn't do those things but again where am I going right I think God wants to be super generous and show us lots of things but are we looking for that which is pure keep this in mind whatever you focus on gets larger if you focus on your problems I promise you they'll get bigger if you focus on your worries, I promise you they will get bigger. If you focus on your insecurities, I promise you'll have more. Okay? If you focus on things that are pure, I guarantee you, you will find more and more things that are pure. So, I'm going to share with you a list of some things that we came up with in our group. So, we talked about just noticing kids. Especially these days, like when you go to, when I go to the grocery store now, and or the other day I was in uh, Costco. Because of this whole new exercise, I like started noticing kids, like these cute little, like two-year-old little toddlers, and you know they're just innocent. Like I start noticing that, as opposed to just going to the store, buy my stuff, you know, buy my food. Now even in that, I start noticing pure things. Uh, stillness. Just taking moments to be completely still. And I don't mean like three seconds of still and then move on, but I'm saying hang in there and be still until it's uncomfortable. Let's do it right now. No, I'm just kidding. But you get what I'm saying, right? Be still until you're uncomfortable. Because guess what? When it starts getting uncomfortable, you know what's happening? Discomfort is growth trying to happen. Jesus specifically went out so many times to just have stillness with God. He specifically got away from everything just to be still. Uh, I have trees, clouds, bodies of water, uh, one amazing brother that I love, and it, it, this one's really tricky, the whole waking up thing. Like, do you notice how you wake up? This one's on my list, but every day I remember it at about 9.30 after I've already been up for three hours. It's really a bummer. Like, I keep going, oh, darn it, how did I wake up today? 
So, because I still haven't learned that one yet. Like, how to wake up just very intentional. Like, how am I waking up is my first thought, like, wow, thank you, God. Another, another day. Thank you. In fact, you know what? Yesterday was so good. Let me, let, let me think about that a little bit with you. I mean, just waking up intentionally like that. I haven't got it yet, but I'm going to. Thank you, Bubba. All right, next, uh, praying on your knees, uh, memorizing scriptures, having scriptures in our hearts, journaling, listening, uh, mastery. In other words, what are skills? Did you know that one version of purity could just be the, the fine focus of mastering a skill or, or learning something new? Developing yourself? That, that's a pure thing. God gave our brains the ability to, to learn and develop things. It's amazing. Uh, then we have just ideas like safety, victory, sunrises. Um, I told Scott this one the other day. God woke me up on Saturday at 5 a.m. in the morning. I'm like, God, really? I didn't wake up intentionally that day. It was very, uh, I was <laughs> disgruntled. Why but I woke up at 5. Read the waking up. Yes, that was the way. I didn't read that one yet. So I woke up at 5. I'm like, okay, God obviously wanted me to wake up at 5. So I just started driving down to Culver City at like 5.30 in the morning because I just went to work early. And I'm telling you, man, I was going down the 405 South. There's no cars. And then right over here is this sunrise. And I'm just, I'm just... I'm just riding it. I'm just sitting there going, God, you took me from Oklahoma all the way over to Moscow. And now I'm here in Los Angeles on an L.A. freeway with just everything. And I just started crying because I feel like God is helping me see my life in pure eyes, with pure eyes. And I'm telling you, it keeps growing. And I'll, I'll end my funny one here. So, uh, video games. Uh, one cool brother mentioned, uh, I'm not into video games, but just the whole idea of intentionally having leisure that's pure. Video games are not wrong. Video games are not sinful. If you start spending eight hours a day on them and you know, neglecting your walk with God and other people, then yeah, it's sinful. But intentionally doing them in a way that it's it's refreshing and it's not idolatry. That's that's just a, another one. And then WD-40. I just added that one today because uh, the other day I just got crazy with WD-40. I like was cleaning stuff and WD-40. I cleaned this part of my bike that was messed up for a long time. And I was like, man, this is so cool. Like just cleaning things. This is amazing, God. Anyway, so just get crazy with this, please. Just have fun with it. What I asked all the brothers in PR to do is to write your list of all the things that you could be looking for on a daily basis and just commit to holding this in your wallet or your pocket till the end of the year because I want us all to go out of 2017 with a clear conscience and pure eyes. And I'm telling you, we can do it. We can totally do it. How many are up for the challenge? Hold up your index cards. Fill them out. And then the, the other, the, the signature that you wrote, just ignore that. But on the other side, start writing your list. Put some things on there tonight. Put it in your wallet. And guys, watch it grow over the next several days. And share it with each other. Because half the ideas on my list, I stole from other men in my life. 
it's totally cool to steal this stuff, right? Okay, I'm going to say a prayer, and then we're going to break up into our small groups. Thank you guys very much. Okay, dear God in heaven, we are grateful to be men. We are grateful to be called to Philippians 4.8 to think about things that are pure. And God, I my prayer for every man in this room and the men that are not here tonight, I want to pray for every single one of us to grow in our confidence in this area of purity. That purity is going to be not just this thing that's connected to sexuality or sensuality. God, I want it to be a word that we associate with walking and living and looking with the eyes that you gave us so that we see you and your work all the time. And God, that we be incredibly bonded and connected with you because we see how amazing and beautiful and mighty you are in so many big ways and small ways, minuscule ways. God, open our eyes. I pray for every man here to just walk daily in pure confidence steps and that, God, we can just finish 2017 ready to do amazing things as well in 2018. We love you. Thank you for our fellowship. Bless our discussions right now. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you.